Welcome to the Great Lakes Horror Company, brought to you by members of the Horror Writers Association Ontario Chapter, where we discuss the business of horror with a focus on the written word. This is Andrew Robertson, co-host and producer of the podcast. And for the next few podcasts, if you've been listening or a subscriber, you'll know that we're looking at uh, the upcoming StokerCon 2016 convention. It's a great weekend gathering that's happening very soon in May at the Flamingo Hotel in Vegas, a hotel with a storied history that everyone should look into. I'm sure it's got its own hauntings. And uh, it's going to feature some guests of honor, dozens of workshops led by some of Horror's finest writers, and the presentation of the iconic Bram Stoker Awards. Today... I have the pleasure of speaking with John M. McElveen, who's the author of the paranormal suspense novel Hannah Ware, which is already winner of the 2015 Drunken Druid Award from Ireland for High Literary Merit and the nominee for the 2015 Bram Stoker Award in the first novel category. John, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, It's my pleasure to be here. It sounds like you're already on a bit of a roll with Hannah Ware, but let me just tell our listeners a bit more about what you've accomplished so far. Uh, you're also the author of two story collections, Inflictions, which has tremendous reviews online, and Jerks and Other Tales from a Perfect Man. Uh, you've also got the well-received novelette Got Your Back. You're the father of five daughters, which to me sounds like teenage terror. Uh, you're a fiancé, and you're working at MIT's Lincoln Laboratory, living in Haverhill, Massachusetts. So, welcome to the show, and let's get right into it. When did you first find out that Hannah Ware was nominated for Superior Achievement in the first novel? Um, for um, the Bram Stoker Award, I actually found out a couple of days after it was nominated. Um, I, I had... And, um, been offline for a couple of days and then uh, there were a number I, I logged on to Facebook and there were all kinds of congratulations on my uh, my, my page and so it was m- more of a surprise to me to most, than most other people <laughs> <laughs> so for for our listeners out there that maybe haven't had a chance to, to get the novel yet can you give us a sense of what the novel is about um, and what some of the themes are Yes, um, well, it's about, about two sisters, um, Hannah and Anna. Um, they're twins, and they're seven years old, and they have been, um, their, their father died before they were born, and they live with their mother and a, um, a rather abusive, um, uh, drug-addicted boyfriend to their mother. And over a few years, the girls had learned to um, to dissociate as as the abused children will do and um so what happens is um something very tragic happens and hannah and anna um take dissociation to a, another level a, a bigger level um and that's how the novel starts out um then we come back it's two years later and hannah shows up um, hi, um, she's curled up hidden behind a dumpster uh, 1,500 miles away from her home and it's two years later and um, the reason she's come back is that uh, she's looking for help to get her sister who has become trapped in their their, um, their safe place um, Hannah calls it Hannah Ware and Anna's is called Anna Place and um they, her sister has become trapped there, and she needs help to free her from, uh, or to find out why she is stuck there. 
and that's it. <laughs> what, <laughs> um, for for the uh, the theme of abuse, is that a personal issue that's close to your heart? Uh, was there a reason that you chose that sort of uh, thematic topic to work with? Well, being the the father of five daughters, as you mentioned, um, it, it's it's something anybody with a child is is very you know would be concerned about. Um, yes, and it is close. I've known a lot of people um, that have been abused in many different ways. Um, I'm I I find that any kind of abuse is the the greatest breach of trust that you can have. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I love Andrew Vox and his whole message that he, he, um, sends with his work. And so, um, I, I'm very sensitive to those who are abused. And I think it's a message that really needs to be out there because, um, you know, as times are changing and people, um, are, are starting to speak out more. And it, it used to be that the, the the abuse, the victim, was hidden or the dirty little secret that they didn't want known, and families would hide it. And and now it's not. It's it, it's starting to be um, made more public, and people are, are are talking about what they've gone through, and and uh, it's something that really people I want to be aware. To, that it still goes on. I think that's really noble because for for many years, decades, centuries, it's been the sort of skeleton in the closet. And the the more that people talk about themes of abuse and its many forms, you know, from our various phobias and schisms, right down to physical or emotional abuse or bullying. I think, um, especially in our times, when there's so much access to this worldwide network where you can really destroy someone in minutes. We need to think about what we do and what potential sort of triggers for abuse we're opening um, we're opening the door to by maybe attacking each other or using, uh, you know, using certain terms or words. So I, I think it's a, it's a really important issue that you're working with. Now, I need to ask you, because when I found out you had five daughters, I looked at a picture. Are any of them twins? No, no, none are twins. But I, I have this um, weird fixation with twins. I, I, I'm not sure. I've got a lot of twins in my family, um, not my immediate family, but I have cousins and um, who are twins. And I've always um, uh, loved the psychology of it. You know, the uh, you know um, how it's been studied where they can communicate with each other on a level that we can't even really comprehend. And, you know, pardon me? Oh, I was just going to, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry, but I wanted to ask you, you know, there's the old adage that one twin is more evil than the other. Have you found that? Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't think I have. Um, (laughs) I've seen, uh, you know, it it may be true, but um, I've always seen that there's this, um, this link that, you know, understandably, um, I've also had a number of friends that are, are twins and, and they, you know, they, they can sense things that, that are on a, a level beyond ours, it seems. 
that that was unfair of me to ask anyways, because obviously you were talking about your family and you hardly want to say, yeah, one of them is a bit more of a bastard than the other one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, have in with so many twins in your family, because there are a lot of twins in my cousins and second cousins and in past generations, has there been anything that, that you've seen between the twins that supports that theory that they're communicating without verbalizing or necessarily giving a physical cue oh well yes there's um plenty plenty of uh stories about uh how one could be at work and knows that the other's in in some kind of uh you know dilemma or 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 if one gets um injured the the other ones always seem to be aware of of any kind of turmoil that they might be going through and plus there's a there is this, um, you know, I, as a child especially, there was this little um, connection that, you know, they could really pull some good pranks on you too because they could seem to uh, communicate behind, you know, right in front of you but behind your back, so to speak. Oh, absolutely. And if you haven't seen them for a while, it's always hard to tell which one is which. <laughs> uh, well, uh, absolutely on identical twins, it's quite often, unless they're male and female, of course. But um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. fraternal twins, not so much, but uh, identical twins. Um, I, I had a, um, I have a couple friends, Tim and Tom Chaput, who, you know, for years we couldn't tell until Tom got a scar on his forehead, and that's his <laughs> that's his defining feature now. His distinction, his stamp. Yep. <laughs> so let's talk about um, your reaction to the nomination uh, when when the Stoker nomination came through. What was your first reaction to that? Uh, it was very. Uh, I was absolutely thrilled by it. Um, I had been watching the recommendations and, and um, I had been in the lead for it for a while. But when I first wrote the book, I, I, I was just so thrilled to have a book out that Stoker awards weren't even in my, you know, plane of thought. I'm just, I was just happy to have a novel out there. And when, um, you know, online, the reviews, I've got uh, 25 reviews on Amazon and 24 or five star, one's four star. And it's just, I, I, it didn't dawn on me while writing this. I, I put a lot of work into it and I uh, did a lot of research, but um, the feedback has been far above and beyond in the, in the support I've been getting from people online and from friends and uh, has been huge. It, yes, it definitely but, is. When when you look the book up online and yourself, there's a tremendous amount of support for this book and uh, and a lot of really genuine, thoughtful reviews. So when those reviews started coming in uh, and the first time that you saw a review from someone that you looked at and you said, I, I don't know that person and they're saying this about my book, um, how did that make you feel? Uh, this having been your first novel and obviously a, a life goal. Oh, I was giddy. Um, <laughs> I did the Snoopy happy dance. Um, <laughs> it, <laughs> it was a thrill. And, um, you know, and I, I have to admit, I, um, I, you know, there were so many people that helped along the way. Um, um, my very good friend, Christopher Golden, who helped me, and um, uh, a dear friend, Rick Howdler, who passed away two weeks after he returned the manuscript to me with his line edits, um, which was devastating. Um, but, 
those two helped me so much uh, lift it off the ground and and so yeah it's just been it's been a a dream trip so far that's that's definitely a always a tragedy when someone so close to a project um, passes before they see it complete. But given that he was editing it and and had a chance to read it, um, I'm sure he knew that it was going to be successful. Yeah. Well, he, um, his blurb is on the back of the book. He, he wrote, he returned it to me in big Sharpie on the front. It said, love it, love it, love it. In bold print. <laughs> and so, and so that that's, was, yeah, it was fantastic. That's actually that's really touching. And then, yes, it is. and then you went on to get the 2015 Drunken Druids International Book Award. Was that something that you knew you were in the running for, or were you just yeah. told, "Hey, guess what? You've got this"? Yeah, I knew I was in. I was in the running for it, but um, I, I really didn't think. Uh, you know, what's the saying? Um, hope, hope for the best, expect the worst. Uh, so when it popped up on there, it was another, you know, a very nice surprise. What, and, um, uh, what, what is that award given for? Can you tell our listeners what, what they're looking for when they hand out that award, what the award means? Yeah, it's just, um, if, uh, if you go to drunkendrewedawards.com, they, they will spell it out for you. But what it is, it's, it's a non-genre specific uh, literary award and it, it's it's not an old award it's only been around a few years but they they wanted to and it's a monetary award as well so that's nice and, my god that's a miracle in the world of writing so extra congratulations for that i didn't know that yes, <laughs> yes. that was beautiful and um and it, it's uh a number of uh people in ireland uh, uh thought that they should have an award that's specifically um, you know, for a novel that's really captures someone and that's well written and and you know and that's what it is and, and it's uh, you know it's a pleasure to be one of the I think I'm the third or fourth person to ever win it. So, yeah, it's always good to be at the forefront of something, right? You you get to be on that short list right near the top during during the early years. So that's amazing. Yeah. Yes, and um, and they and they promote the living heck out of you. They 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 post you every your 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 book pops up on their web website for two years. It's going to be uh the first thing that pops up when you go to Drunken Droids. It's uh, the, um, this year's winner and last year's winner. And, it's a hell of a name too. I mean, that's I think it's a great name, Drunken Druid. I mean, you've got mysticism and booze right there. It's it's pretty great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the perfect world. <laughs> so, for yourself, um, onto the sort of the business of writing. Since you've got the nomination and this other award, have you seen an increase in either sales or interest or interactions online? Because you have a pretty active profile online. Uh, on social media and and the reviews rolling in, what sort of benefits have you seen from the nomination and the award so far? Well, it it has gotten the attention of a few agents. Um, one agent who was um, definitely it's an interesting tale, and someday I'll go over it. You know, it's rather long, but uh, it's an agent that I had originally offered Hannahware to. Uh, I'm not going to say any names, but it, it's <laughs> one of one of the major ones in New York. And um, I had offered Hannaware, 
And this was an ongoing problem with the novel. Is, um, all the agents were saying, I love the novel, but I can't place it. it it's, you know, you, you can't, it has no specific genre. It's fantasy, it's horror, it's mystery, it's, it's you know, it's a heartwarming novel and it's a desperate novel. And they said, I can't place it. So finally, uh, Dave Wilson and Crossroads took Hanaware and lo and behold, it when you know, it's nominated for, it wins one award nominated for the Stoker. And uh, ironically, the same agency that said, I can't place Hanaware, another agent from the agency called and said, do you need an agent? And I said, well, I could. And I said, but... Um, you know, I'm interested. And they said, okay, um, what do you, what have you, what else have you got going? And I just finished this huge novel, which is a mainstream novel. It's called Gone North. It deals with racial tensions in the early sixties. And, and, um, so I sent that to him and he said, came back and he said, uh, do you have another Hanaware? On the, <laughs> but they had their chance. So yeah, did... and I said, you know, you turned Hanaware down. Your father, I shouldn't say this, but yeah. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and he said, I want something mainstream that'll catch interest, that'll hit a nerve. And I said, so I wrote that, and now you don't want that. And you want the book that you turned down originally. So it's kind of a funny, uh, it's a good story to carry on in the future. You know, when I'm 90 years old, if I make it that far, I'll tell my grandkids about it. But <laughs> oh, you, can, you can put it in the bio. Now, what are the chances? Um, because I, I have not read Hannah Ware all the way through. What are the chances that there's going to be a sequel or a, a splinter? Is there a chance that, that maybe this agent is going to get lucky enough to do a Hannah Ware duo? Um. Well, I, I definitely have a lot of notes taken down, and I've I've got a storyline for for a henna. It won't be per se a sequel, but it'll, it'll be it, it will include Hannah, and it, it will include a lot of elements from the first novel. But yeah, it's definitely in line. But I've got three other things I'm working on. I've got a uh, a suspense novel. I'm almost finished. A uh, young adult novel. I'm moving into that deals with depression and things like that. And another novel that's a straight out horror novel that, um, so yeah, I've got a lot on the table, so <laughs> it might be a little while before Hannah, but it, Hey, if someone, uh, it makes me a good offer and says, I want another Hannah novel. Hey, I'm there. Hey, you know what? If that agent is listening to this podcast right now, just, just secure the proper advance get to John and, and let him know. We can get Hanover 2 out there, right? Sounds good to me. <laughs> so now, fast forward to next month, to May. Are you going to be attending Stokor Con in person, or do, uh, do work and life get in the way there for you? No, I will be there. Fantastic. Um, so as, as a part of the convention, is there something that you're looking forward to between, you know, Horror University, the pitch sessions, the, the guests that are going to be there? Is there anything that stands out that you definitely need to be a part of? Well, um, I, I was kind of late to the show for a lot of the events. And, um, but a lot of these people who are there, um, I've been friends with for years. I've, I've been in the, you know, not as a writer, but as uh, starting out as a fan, um, then uh, as a book dealer, then as a, I, I'm one of the coordinators for a convention called Nikon. Uh, so for about 35 years now. 
So I've got a lot of friends there. Uh, Dallas Mayer, who's better known as Jack Ketchum, uh, John Skip, uh, John Mayberry, uh, Tom Monteleone. Oh, just a few of those guys, right? Yeah, yeah. A few new guys to the genre. Yeah, yeah, newbies. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so you're going to be hanging out with all the cool kids, obviously. <laughs> yeah, but there's a lot of new, uh, new people I've... Uh, I've run into, and um, I'm really looking forward to uh, meeting them as well. Um, yeah, there's Mercedes Yardley, and um, oh, yeah. I, yeah, Kai, I, I can't even, I'm not even sure if I pronounce it right, but Kai Ariana, we, um, she had some really good words to, to say about the novel, and, and she's really, you know, she's very young, like she's 22, I think, and, but she's such a go-getter and such a, such a spirit to see, that it really gives you hope for the future of the of the horror market, you know, genre, and so, um, and a number of people that I've uh, you know talked to, met on Facebook. Facebook is wonderful for this for uh, communicating, and and so I'm really looking forward. As not so much on a business level, I guess, because as I said, I was late to the show, um, but just getting to be with people and and meet these. Facebook friends one-on-one. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because um, I joined the Horror Writers Association in November of last year. I'm not a published horror writer. I'm a what they call a supporting member, I guess. Uh, but then in February, we started this podcast because I wanted to be more active in the community while I'm waiting to be shortlisted or published or something like that. You know, I've, I've been published in traditional mediums, but but just not in horror, and that's my true love. Um, but what I found is the community's incredibly supportive. So how, how have you found sort of the dark fantasy horror community, um, as someone who's, who's achieved a measurable success, um, overall in terms of, of support and forward momentum? Well, I, I love, I love the, the people in the horror, um, they're, they're some, some of the most genuine and caring people uh, I, I, you know, I can't speak for the mystery or the sci-fi. I've never really been embroiled in their, um, you know, communities. But um, as as I said, I've been with Nikon for 35 years. I'm, I've met pretty much every, you know, writer in the genre, it seems, every um, major writer, because Nikon's had them over the years, from Stephen King, Joe Hill, Neil Gaiman. Uh, but... um but also the the whole community, the the family there. Uh, I went a number of years back through some really difficult times, and I'll tell you, they all got together and they they the, the support, the emotional support, the financial support. Uh, you know, they were there when when I needed them, and uh, and they're constantly doing it. It is it is amazing the amount of support because you would think in in an industry that has its own competition between, you know, are, are we doing digital books? Are we doing print books? Is, you know, is print failing? Is this uh, a manageable endeavor that's going to continue? Um, you don't see people stepping over each other to get to the gold. It's, it's a very supportive community and not something that I think a lot of people would expect. Yeah. You're absolutely right there. Now, you know, people will post their new books and, and you'll see it, it, it's a lot of cheering and very seldom do you see any sour grapes or about, you know, 
anything new comes out, everybody's behind you, and, and they're buying it, they're pushing it, they're, you know, it, it, as you said, it's a great, great community to be in. Now, before we move on to the next topic, because this was uh, superior achievement in a first novel, you you had anthologies out before, but what was it like to see your first novel on a bookshelf? Uh, as I said, it was uh, I, I I was giddy, you know, especially um, uh, it was released um, as my collection. It was released in hardcover as well, and that that's in itself is is unusual nowadays. It is. It definitely is. Do you remember the first time that you saw it in a bookstore? Um, yeah, I do. I do. It was a, a smaller bookstore. It's, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's still, even now, you know, it's been almost, uh, God, what, eight, seven months. And I still get excited when I see it, you know, and I, and um, my youngest daughter is, is my biggest advocate, you know, is here to wear. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's what you want. You know, you don't want them to reach an age where they're like, well, you know, I'm too cool. But it's, I find when, you know, your parents do something public facing, you have a bit of a different opinion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Parents, yeah right? Usually it's embarrassing. Right? <laughs> how would, how would you feel if your daughters uh, got into the arts and writing? I mean, it's a very competitive, difficult field at this point, but you're in it. So how would you feel if, if they stepped into that world? Um, surprised, <laughs> um, you know, they, they love the people. Um, I think my youngest would probably be the most likely the, um, the other ones, they, um, they're very busy in their lives and their education. And, um, you know, I've got one who's, who's pursuing, she's just graduated with psychology from Hampshire college and, um, another one who's a, a psychiatric nurse and electrical engineer. And, um, so, you know, maybe like me, it's something that they'll, uh, they'll work into later on because, um, I didn't really start writing seriously. Uh, I was a technical writer, uh, but I didn't jump over into the, uh, fiction writer until I was probably in, just about 40. Hmm. Uh, because one work, uh, five kids, it, you know, life was just very, I, I came home and I was lucky to make it, you know, into the shower and into bed because, <laughs> you know, it, it was, you know, I didn't have the time to write back then. Now I have the, that convenience, that leniency and it, and it's, uh, and I love doing it. Was it something you'd already th- always thought about doing or was there a certain point in your life where you thought, you know, I've I've got a story to tell now. Yeah, I, I've always uh, I've always collected ideas. I've, I've got so many ideas for novels and stories, and and I've never, you know, people say write a book, writer's block, and I I say what's that? Um, <laughs> so I've always had uh, the itch, I guess you call it. But as I said, um, you know, other other parts of life life took uh, priority, took precedence, and. So it's a, it's a fairly recent thing, and it's something that I hope I'll be able to keep keep at. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to retirement so I can write more. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I feel like for writers, it's never really a retirement or a weekend or a night off because you're constantly thinking 
about, oh, I saw that call for submissions and I think I have a cool idea for that. Like they need this story. Uh, you never, you never really stop. You never really turn off. You know, yeah, it's really worked for uh, Tom Clancy was, you know, he was retired from the service when he, he started. He was, I guess, well into his 40s. Um, what's his name? Uh, Angelo's Ashes. Uh, he, 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 he was in the 60s. And, you know, he won the Pulitzer and everything. So, hey, what the heck? You, you never know what the future will bring. And you just keep going forward with it. No, that's a great thing. I mean, I, I always say, you know, always continue your education throughout your life. Keep on trying. And if there's something you thought, well, I want to try that, but, 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 stop butting and, and just get out there and do it. So yeah. now, let's talk about your style because you referenced the, the genre blending style that initially was a challenge for agents to get into and say, well, I don't know if you're YA or adult or thriller or fantasy or horror. What are some of the challenges that came with blending those styles. And now that you've been through the experience of agents um, sort of being unsure where to put you, so you had to go somewhere else, had success, came back, and now they're interested. What sort of advice would you give for people that want to blend genres um, as, as they're moving forward into to pitching their novels? Um, good luck. <laughs> um, <laughs> Perfect. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, when I wrote the book, I wasn't thinking, you know, this is going to be a fantasy, a fantasy or, or it's, it's um, I think mostly I've seen it called uh, paranormal suspense. Um, I wasn't thinking about genre. I was just thinking about the story. And so um, I, I kind of shot myself in the foot at first with that. Uh, so, uh, you know, what I say, do it. Um, if you're a full-time writer, I, I think twice about it. Uh, fortunately, I have MIT to fall back on. They're, you know, they're they're putting they're paying my check while I'm doing this. So that was uh, that was the advantage here, having a full-time job outside of writing. Uh, so I think it would be a very, um, you know, I'm not sure of many other people. You know, I, I know there's a number that do blend the, the genres. Uh, Dan Greenberg, I don't know if you recall him, mm-hmm. but he, he was, uh, I mean, he always had a hard time getting really notoriety because of what he did. He did, um, you know, X's, which was suspense. He did, um, they made the movie The Guardian out of uh, one of his horror novels. He did um, How to Be a Jewish Mother. I mean, he was all over the place. And I think that that's a, um, it, it's a hard probably a hard way to get to really uh, get traction in the writing field. And unfortunately that's the exact direction I'm going in. <laughs> I, I've got the mainstream and the mysteries and a, a young adult and, um, you know, William Kotzwinkel is another one who's uh, been all over the place. And, you know, it's so, you know, who, you know, it's, it's hard to say as far as giving people the advice I think history shows that um, if you don't stick to one, you might have a hard time uh, yeah, I think getting that's a, a following. Yeah, I think that's the problem with us as a, you know, as a human race. We like things to be very familiar and that when we open, open a book or a record, sorry, I said record, but you know, records right. are coming back. It's fine. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. no one, no one opens an MP3. <laughs> um, we're we're so used to familiarity, and we want everything to sort of smell and taste and feel the same. 
that a lot of artists, I think, struggle. Um, and even if you see someone like, uh, like let's say Madonna, whose career arc has been all over with the reinvention, but you know, it's it's all been on a certain arc where you look at at someone else who wants to switch from being a dramatic actor to a comedic actor, for example. And then like someone like Jim Carrey, who really successfully did it, but a lot of people didn't think he could, where I think we're far too uh, attuned to familiarity. And I applaud you for going in several different directions and not saying, well, this was successful for me. So I'm going to keep following this exact path and use these characters again and again and again. Uh, because I think we need to, to break free from that. There's, there's too much familiarity in the world and, um, and the sort of the internet and access to everything around us increases that sense of familiarity. People should want the unknown. And, you know, if, if you want to move into a thriller or a mystery suspense, there's a sense of discovery there that I think is really, really valuable. So that, that leads me to, to ask you now that, You've got the awards, you've got books out, you're on social media. How are you finding social media assists you as a writer um, as you develop, as you move forward now as a published award-winning writer? Because this has suddenly happened for you. Well, I think uh, social media is probably the biggest uh, asset to me as a writer. Um, I'd hate to think of where I'd be without it. Um, Between Twitter, Facebook... Um, my own webpage, Amazon's author page, um, it, it's been huge. And, uh, and like I said, the, these people at uh, Drunken Druid have been posting me everywhere. I, um, I mean, my following in Twitter has, has doubled in the last couple months since I got the award. So, yeah, social media is is absolutely, you know, the wheel that that keeps going for me and it's scary to think where you know i have my little uh my group of friends but i i think it'd be a hard sell without it no i i totally agree you know often um i'll talk to the younger generation as we'll call them young and modern citizens and i tell them you know, when I was your age, we didn't have internet. (laughs) There there was no internet. There was no email. We used, you know, we used stamps. Remember, we used to send each other letters. And when you wanted to send out a manuscript or a story, you would fold it up, put it in the envelope, send it out there and hope that it didn't get lost. And if you didn't get published, you thought, oh, it must have got lost because my story was awesome. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was easy to kind of lose her heart back then. I I remember... uh, when I first started sending stories out, I think it was the internet was just starting to grab on. Um, uh, I don't know if you recall Genie. Uh, no, was, I don't. No, Genie was General Electric's uh, network. It was before AOL, before uh, any of those things. It was Genie, and Genie had a really strong writers uh, writers group. Uh, Jeff Strand. Um, uh, there were a number of number of writers, a lot of uh, seasoned writers in it as well, and that was uh, and it was all live interaction. Um, you know, I, I I actually have heard about that uh, through Sephora Jerome. Uh, she spoke oh, about yep, it. Oh, yep, I know Sephora well. Yeah, she uh, she's our chapter head. Uh, she's uh, uh, one of the co-hosts and producers of this podcast as well. 
Um, but she's she's spoken to me about Jeannie when we were talking about, you know, the younger generation and their expectations. Because uh, there's a couple of years difference between us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do remember her mentioning that. Yeah, Seth has been going to Nikon for years. Oh, yeah. Uh, I actually have one of her Nikon books, Has a Pain. Yes. It's, it's in my reading pile along with your book. Yeah, that was um yeah that came out from Leisure, I believe. Yes. Yeah, and uh, Nikon re-released it. You're right. And um yeah, and uh, if anyone would appreciate Drunken Druid, she would um with her uh, <laughs> her pagan and uh, yeah, and she she's uh, I'll be seeing her come July. Yeah, well, actually, I'll be seeing her at StokerCon because she'll be down oh, there. Oh, she's going to StokerCon. Yeah, I didn't know that. She will be down there. So excellent. Uh, before we close, I wanted to ask you, what was the first book that you read that you thought, you know what, I'm writing? Hmm. <laughs> I've read so many books over the years. Um, I, I've got a collection, without exaggerating, probably about 12,000 hardcovers in my house. Um, so the first one I said... How about uh, the, the, the top three that stick out in your mind? If, if you were well, going to recommend books to me... Yes. As inspiration. A Prayer for Owen Meany by John Irving. Okay. Okay. The Stand by Stephen King. Perfect. And uh, probably The Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of differences between the book and the movie. So it's all, you know, even if, if our listeners have seen the movie, read the book. There's There's some grueling crazy shit that happens in that. Oh, book. absolutely. <laughs> All I have to say is brown tail. and uh... That's exactly what I was thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> I almost said it, you know, watch it hit the air. That was, yes. <laughs> and let's not say anything else, you know, get kids, yeah. get out there and read. <laughs> yeah. and A little back, back step here is, um, I think what made finally inspired me is I read a book that was so terrible that I said, God, and this got published. And um, I, I can't even remember who wrote it, and I wouldn't say it if I did. But uh, I think that's what was my biggest uh, inspiration is, holy, you know, this got published. I can do it. <laughs> you know, that that is always a good inspiration when you see something so awful that people are gushing over that you think, oh, fuck this. I'm, I'm going to go do this. And I'm going to try and do it a bit better, but I know I can do it a bit better. <laughs> right, right. So where yeah. can our listeners find you online? Your website is johnmcilveen.com. That's J-O-H-N-M-C-I-L-V-E-E-N.com. Uh, you're also on Twitter and Facebook. What are the handles for that? Um, well, Facebook, just uh, look up John McElveen, and if Hannah Ware pops up, that's me. Yeah. Um, uh, there'll be a picture of me and my uh, beautiful fiance, Roberta. So um, uh, the handle I can't, it's just John McElveen. And uh, Twitter, it's at J McElveen. All that's right. The first letter. So, everyone, you can, uh, you can meet up with John online at. Uh, at those various websites and at his own website, Hannaware, well-received book, great reviews, worth checking out. Um, I'm I'm getting through it right now, and uh, it's a great read. So be sure to check that out before he's a Stoker Award-winning writer and and may not know you anymore. 
<laughs> thank you, thank you, John, so much for joining us on the show. We appreciate you making the time for it, and congratulations on all of your success this year. Well, thank you very much, and I'm I'm very pleased you invited me on. I had a good time. All right. So for our listeners, uh, there's a couple of places that you're going to be able to meet the HWA Ontario chapter coming up. Of course, StokerCon 2016, where you can meet all of the guests from our uh, our past few shows and a couple of the ones to come. That runs from May 12th to 15th at the Flamingo Hotel in Las Vegas. If you want to register or get more information, check out stokercon2016.horror.org. And you can also meet the HWA Ontario chapter at Ad Astra in Toronto at the Sheraton Parkway, Toronto North. That runs April 29th to May 1st, so that's coming up really soon. Uh, you can get details at ad dot, uh, sorry, ad-astra.org. And uh, for you Globetrotters, the World Horror Convention will probably have a few horror writers kicking around. That's an annual literary-based event for the horror industry. Uh, that is Provo, Utah, from the 28th to the 1st at worldhorrorconvention.com. In July, we'll have a booth at the Rue Morgue Dark Carnival, July 9th and 10th in Hamilton, Ontario. We're going to have some great books, products, signings, and giveaways. Darkcarnivalexpo.com. Check that out and come see us. And you can always find us on Twitter at GL Horror Podcast or on Facebook as the Great Lakes Horror Company. Uh, we'd love to see you there. Interact with us. Share your uh your favorite books, your interests, tell us who we should be interviewing. And until next time, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. <laughs>